Hello and welcome to This Is My Dram, a whiskey music podcast in which we review whiskey and play some songs to go with it. This Is My Dram consists of me, Stu, and that grumpy Northern Irish fella, Andy. In today's episode, we interview the podfather of the whiskey podcast world, Mark Gillespie from WhiskeyCast. I've been producing WhiskeyCast each week now for uh, almost 15 years. Ever since then, it's just grown to the point where this weekend we'll be recording episode number 830. We also review the Adela 15-year-old sherry cask whiskey from the recently reopened Lowlands Distillery, Bladnock. I could, I could, I could practically swim it. It's not very cool. <laughs> There's a challenge. You'll get a Bladnock when you uh, when you get out of the other end. You'll be covered in covered in the goose fat, swimming cap on, and I'll be standing there with a Bladnock. That's not goose fat. <laughs> and to go along with the distillery reopening, somewhat of a comeback in itself, we play songs from comeback albums. I'd never kind of thought of that that track as working with a Terminator film, but it's. <laughs> It's so obvious. Get on to Jim Cameron or whoever the fuck is making Terminator films <laughs> these days. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and go to thismydram.com for all our podcasts, playlists and blogs. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thisismydram, all one word. Excellent. On with the pod. This is my dream. This is my dream. I like whiskey. I like beer. Okay, welcome to episode two of our Dream Bucket List Guest series, series 10. How are you doing, Andy? I'm not too bad, actually. It's uh, it's it's a rainy, grey summer's day in, in Northern Ireland, so it's the kind of weather that cheers me up a bit. You know? <laughs> I was about to say, you sound really chipper, um, which is, which is, but the irony is, is that this is the day, we're recording on the day that is one of those days of the year where the whole whole of the UK, apart from apparently Northern Ireland, has this ridiculous heat wave. It's like thirty five degrees in London. It's twenty nine degrees in Newcastle that we never get. And um, you're sitting there happy that it's raining in Northern Ireland. So everybody's go. miserable, and that cheers me up. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So um, yeah, th- we're continuing our dream guest series t- today with. Uh, I suppose one of our idols, would you say, uh, our kind of uh, people we look up to in the podcasting world? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I think as soon as we thought we'd have a go at doing doing a, a whiskey podcast and did a bit of cursory research as to what was out there, we um, we realised that there was no point in trying to be uh, appear uh, knowledgeable and professional and friendly and networked and all these things that our guest today is. Uh, we just <laughs> had to be uh, idiots instead. Yeah, um, so, we, had to, we had to do our own niche because we were never going to compete with Whiskey Cast. That was the, <laughs> that's the way it was going to work. Um, but yeah, so our guest is uh, the legend that is Mark Gillespie, who has run Whiskey Cast, which is pretty much the number one podcast whiskey podcast out there, you know, uh, by any metric. I think he's been and he's been doing it for fifteen years, which is just such an impressive amount of time. We we can only uh, dream of that kind of uh, longevity. And he's been doing it every week. We we, we can never get close to that, do we? So uh, yeah, we bow down in a number of ways to Mark. So we've got a great interview with him coming up. So uh, look out for that. It, 
it, it, it's pretty much it's the only podcast with a uh, with, with a uh, admirable maturation period behind it. Oh, um, nice. You know, the fifteen-year-old podcast is you know that's going to be good. It's going to be have a bit of oakiness in the back there, isn't it? A fifteen-year-old podcast. A good age statement on the podcast. Yeah, I like it. absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we've got that interview with Mark coming up. We'll we'll throw to that fairly soon, to be honest. Um, but in the meantime, we're also uh, on this episode going to taste. Uh, well, one of my kind of sentimental distilleries is uh, Bladnock. Um, I've, ex- I've mentioned on the podcast a few times. Basically, we go camping every year in uh, Scotland, and we go camp down the lo- the road from Bladnock. Uh, pretty much every year that I've been there, it's been a dormant. Um, uh, distillery and then in the last couple of years it has reopened which has been quite uh, brilliant for me uh, so yeah what we've got today is the Bladnock Adela 15 year that they released is an Oloroso whiskey that they released when they reopened to, to kind of ra- raise some funds uh, from the old stocks that they had in the web uh, in the um, uh, in the um, warehouses uh, so yeah we're gonna we're gonna try that on the podcast as well and talk a little bit about Bladnock and what uh, 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 well, a kind of yeah, an interesting story. I suppose it's uh, it's a bit different. Um, so mm. yeah, and what we'll we'll also hear a little bit more uh, later in Mark's interview about uh, a uh, a kind of sentimental whiskey for him. And uh, I think it's it's nice to nice to tie that in and have examples because that's actually the kind of stuff that that interests me when I'm talking to people about whiskey when they have these kind of sentimental or or very personal links with a with a whiskey. I, I find that more interesting than than the the kind of uh, geeky you know the science geeky whiskey <laughs> geeky whiskey talk but behind it so you know so that's great uh, well, just to clarify just to clarify though when you say that we go camping you mean you and your wife and friends and not you and me no. um, it's not it's not like an annual uh, podcast um, podcast away day where podcast. we go and plan plan out the next series or something no but maybe that maybe that should be a new thing Andy <laughs> but it's, yeah, the other yeah. thing is you could actually join us because you could get the ferry to Stranra and then it's just down the road from there so you know I could I could I could practically swim it it's not very cool <laughs> there's a challenge you'll get a blad knock when you uh when you get out of the other end you'll be covered in covered in the goose fat swimming cap on and i'll be standing there with a blad knock ready to <coughs> greet you. that's that's not goose fat <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. all it's all it's all mine <laughs> <laughs> before we moving uh, on that's enough chat now let's listen to some music that's enough chat now let's listen to some music that's enough chat yeah now let's Uh, we will move on and uh, think about the music playlist as well that we're doing today. So, uh, because Bladnock has recently reopened, uh, we thought it would be a good idea to do a, um, a comeback special kind of music theme to go with it. Uh, so, our theme today is songs uh, or songs from albums that were a bit of a comeback from a band that had laid dormant for. Uh, a number of years, you know, um, and then came back with a with a stonking album or stonking song uh, as a result of that. So, um, Andy, it's your turn to go first with the song. So, what is your first comeback kid uh, <coughs> song that you're going to put on the the podcast today? Well, the f- the first one that occurred to me, really, the original permutation of this band is one that we've featured a few times, which is uh, Joy Division. Obviously, with the death of their singer Ain Curtis, quite tragically, a- any comeback that they were going to have was going to be uh, fairly permanently changed from from what they'd been before. Um, so they they didn't 
come back as Joy Division. They obviously regrouped and formed New Order, which became another whole chapter for those, uh, those that group of uh, musicians. Um, one of the last songs that they wrote as Joy Division, and they played it a couple of times. There's a few bootlegs of them playing it live and stuff. Um, was the song Ceremony, yeah. which uh, they never recorded as Joy Division, and they decided to carry that over to New Order, slightly rework it, and give it the full kind of production works as they became a more um, production-oriented band, I guess, with uh, with with some of their synths and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I thought I thought Ceremony is is kind of the ultimate comeback of of a, of a band that. You, you know by any measure was was essentially finished but they came back and 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 did something did something else with with this definitely triumph over adversity for them isn't it so yeah um great okay so this is new orders fantastic ceremony <laughs>
Okay, there we go. New Order with uh, Ceremony. Um, a great tune. Great tune. And what a band. I saw them last year uh, at Blue Dot Festival. Oh man, the thought of going to a festival again. Oh, why can't we be back in the normal world again? Oh, one, one day. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not fussed. Festivals, you know, all those people. Kind of, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Too many people here. <laughs> Um, great. Well, uh, without further ado, I'll tell you what, we're going to throw quite quickly to the interview with Mark because we think it's a, a really great little interview and we'll, we'll crack on with the, the kind of Bladnock stuff afterwards. So uh, without further ado, let's, um, let's see what uh, Mark had to say about his amazing Whiskeycast podcast. And uh, we ask him a little bit about some whiskies and uh, things he's learned over the years as well. So here's uh, the brilliant Mark Gillespie um, in interview with us. Time for an interview with Whiskey Cast. This is podcast better than ours. Yes. Time for an interview with Whiskey Cast. Are you sure it's podcast better than ours? Yes. Okay, uh, so welcome to the podcast, uh, Mark Gillespie, who is basically Whiskey Cast, the, uh, w- w- what we call the podfather of whiskey podcasts. <laughs> so yeah, welcome to the show, Mark. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to join you today. Yeah, and uh, I suppose effectively you are a bit of a, a a hero of ours, given that we are, you know, we're we're in the whiskey podcasting world now, and uh, Whiskey Cast has always been that kind of number one uh, podcast that we've always looked towards and uh, and looked at. So um, this series of our podcast is our kind of dream guests series. Uh, so we've, we're trying, we're, we're into series ten, so we're trying to get are kind of like bucket list guests. So thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, but do you just want to introduce to our listeners uh, yourself and, and your background and a little bit about WhiskeyCast as well? Well, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Uh, I've been producing WhiskeyCast each week now for uh, almost 15 years. We started in November of 2005 with the very first episode. Wow. And it was about maybe seven, eight minutes long. And Ever since then, it's just uh, grown and grown to the point where this weekend we'll be recording episode number 830. <laughs> That's crazy. My, uh, my background is in journalism. As anybody who's listened to the show can probably gather. I have spent my entire career of pretty much 40 years in uh, broadcast news and radio and television in the States, and that's where I got the experience that made it easy to start producing whiskey cast. Uh, and, and what made you pick podcasting as a medium to do it on? Because obviously, you know, there's blogging, there's, um, you know, various other mediums you could go for. What was what attracted you to podcasting? Well, it's a long story. Um, essentially, I was not, I had thought about doing a whiskey podcast in early 2005, mid 2005. This was right after Apple had added podcasting support to the iPods. Mm -hmm. And the company I was working for at the time as a broadcast news producer, I was producing all of our content for CNN and a radio series and uh, running a studio in middle central New Jersey for the company. And the brain trust got the idea that maybe we ought to explore this new thing called podcasting. Maybe there was a place for us in there. I was the person who was going to have to make it work. <laughs> and I said, hang on, let me go play for a little bit, test this out, see what it's going to actually require us to do. I resurrected the idea of uh, doing the whiskey podcast. 
grabbed my recording gear and went to Whiskey Fest in New York, did some interviews, came back, started producing several episodes. The way I figured it was, one, it would give me a chance to learn more about whiskey by talking to the experts because mm. I knew a little bit, but clearly had a long way to go. <laughs> I came to whiskey. So the first several episodes of Whiskey Cast went over well. The audience started growing. I went back to the company and said, here's what we need to do. Here's how we can do it. Here's what the IT guys need to do and so forth, so on. So we started producing a podcast series. Um, about six months later, the company closes my studio in New Jersey, lays me off, moves operations to Washington, D.C., and hires a kid for a third of my salary to produce the podcast. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> well, that's what happened. But I've kept producing Whiskey Cast, and uh, I wound up turning this into my full-time job. Yeah. And have been fortunate ever since with the help of my family to be able to continue to support our family with this, with my uh, wife and business partner running the business side of things. Yeah, I think uh, what you were saying as well about um, uh, kind of using the podcast as a way to learn about whiskey, Andy, that uh, resonates well with us, doesn't it? Because that's pretty much how we started out. Well, as, as a journalist, I'm used to learning by talking to people and asking them about things. And I figured if I do that with whiskey, I get to talk to distillers, blenders, authors, and I have a natural audience. And I figure if I'm asking these questions, I'm not the only one who wants to know them. Yeah. So I figured if I did the podcast, then I could bring everybody else along with <clears throat> me on my journey mm -hmm. and maybe help other people learn about whiskey as well. Um, how have you had to adapt what you're doing get you know with the, with the pandemic and, and what's going on well what, what's the situation where you live at the moment that's another question i suppose you know are, are you in any sort of lockdown or, or are there any restrictions for you and how have you had to adapt your job as a result well here in new jersey we are still in uh, sort of a modified lockdown of sorts uh, mm. bars aren't open of course and i have not traveled i think I, i've maybe been 10 miles from my house at most since the middle of March. Yeah. Fortunately, I've been working from home for many years. So mm. it was really no big stretch for me to continue to work from home. At the end of March, we started doing two webcasts a week. Mm. Yep. On Wednesdays and Fridays to provide more content for people because yeah. we knew people were working from home. We knew people were starved for something to do. So we started doing the webcasts on Wednesdays. We usually feature uh, people from within the industry, right, uh, distillers, blenders. And then on our Friday show, we feature usually a panel of whiskey writers uh, shooting the breeze for an hour in a more relaxed, uh, just a conversational uh, hour or so webcast that uh, we can have some fun with. That's great, yeah. Yeah, and no, I love that that's happened a little bit in the whiskey community is that people have adapted to uh, the restrictions by doing so many online events and so online content that there's been a real uh, interesting wealth of stuff out there as well. Um, we've been attending some virtual festivals and things like that that have been, yeah, it's just really great to see people try and be creative and do something a bit different. Um, so yeah, so that's that's really great that you're doing those, those webcasts. I think that's a, a nice way of keeping it going. I've been taking part in some of these virtual tastings as well and virtual festivals. And I think that's realistically the way we're going to be for, for at least uh, into January. 
yeah. at the early sure. and probably not even then. It's it's really going to depend on what the situation is with uh, term in terms of a vaccine. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I suppose out of necessity, people are looking more locally at businesses um, uh, in in general for everything because they can't travel in the way they used to. Um, are, are there any uh, distilleries close to you that 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 you have an interest in that you're following you can work with or uh, is there asbury park distilling is that that's new jersey is it or it's in new jersey but they're small fortunately with the zoom with our Streamyard platform we have always been able to do phone interviews yeah sure and yeah so it's really been no trouble for me to get people on the phone the hardest part has been that there have been some whiskey makers who pulled a lot of their people back from doing interviews uh, yeah. during the start of the pandemic, because at the start of the pandemic, they did not want to be seen as trying to market their products aggressively and take advantage mm, sure. of that. And I respect that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is starting to change now that we see the long-term future is, is this is going to be a while and those brands can't really afford to keep their people um, off of uh, the radar for an entire year. Yeah. So some of those people are now starting to become available again. Yeah. And I I noticed, I like how you've adapted your podcast over the last few weeks to be things, things like, you know, how, how is the new world going to affect the whiskey world and all this kind of stuff. So there's been a lot of focus on that. So it's been, it's been good that you've managed to adapt despite not being able to get hold as many, as many distillery uh, distillery, uh, staff, I suppose. Um, So that's been really great. Um, but yeah, if we can get you into the the nitty gritty, really hard questions, um, <laughs> here's one that's probably going to be impossible to answer. I, I can see the lovely collection you've got behind you. If you had to pick one whiskey that is your absolute favourite for whatever reason, sentimental or taste reasons, and you, or yet you know you can only drink one whiskey for the rest of your life or whatever, whatever question you want, it could you possibly pick one? Is it possible? No, <laughs> able to do that yet. Um, I'm getting close to having 3,000 different tasting notes on the website. <laughs> Amazing. And there are, I believe, seven whiskeys that I've scored 98 points. Nice. I've never given a 99, and I'm not sure if there's a 100. For me to give a 100, it would have to be that one special whiskey that I'd be willing to drink for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I haven't found it yet. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. It's funny time. <laughs> now, there's one sentimental bottle. Uh, my rule around here is that there is no bottle that I won't open if somebody really wants to try it. Yeah. With one exception. It's a bottle of an Oc 12-year-old. And it's not because it's an Anak 12-year-old. I can get another bottle of an Oc 12-year-old anytime I want. But the one bottle I have is one I can't replace because... Uh, Several years ago, Anak asked me to uh, take part in what they were calling the uh, Your Anak Moment promotion, where they were inviting people on social media to send in photos of their Anak Moment, and the winners would get a bespoke bottle of Anak 12 with a label created by the illustrator, Peter Arkel. They did this from one of my photos of me with... uh, Probably my favorite dog that I've ever had, our old English sheepdog, Frizzle, oh. who has now since passed on several years ago. 
But the picture I sent them was of Frizzle sitting beside me while I'm laying in the hammock in the backyard. <laughs> and Peter drew this bottle with uh, Frizzle balancing the bottle of a knock on her head. He drew the photo with it and me holding a glass while I'm laying on the hammock. He added those elements into the photo and her balancing the cork on her nose. <laughs> and I can't replace that bottle. Yeah. That's the one I won't open because yeah. Yeah. as long yeah. as I have that bottle, I don't have frizz anymore, but as long as I have that bottle, there's a little bit of her left. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that, that does sound uh, ir ir irreplaceable in, in, in a lot of ways. And and what are the, uh, of the ones that have scored kind of 98, um, could you, what, what, which ones have scored 98 on the, on the, on the ways? I mean, people can go and check your, uh, check your notes, can't they? And, and see if, if you can do it from memory. Yeah. See um, if you can remember. <laughs> Red breast dream cask, the 32 year old. Nice. There was a Highland park, 1968. There's a Glenfiddich 50, a couple of Kurosawa's one bourbon, an old Forester President's Choice bottling from 1964. Oh. And that's six. <laughs> the, other, the other one slipped your mind. Okay, I'm going to check. <laughs> you did pretty well to get to get six of the seven. That's quite impressive. Okay, here we go. It was only one Kurosawa. All right. Yep. 1960 single cask wow. Kurosawa. The Gold Bomor in 1964. The uh, Bomor 1964 Fino Sherry Cask that was bottled after 46 years. Wow. And the uh, Gordon and McPhail Mortlock 70-year-old. Yes. But there were actually eight whiskeys, not seven. There were eight I've scored in 98. Wow. Fantastic. 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 And, and you, your scoring system is based on a, a kind of high school grading for examinations kind of structure. Is that right? Yeah, it's based on the structure, the grading system that the high school my daughters went to, which is a more strict system than most schools. Anything above a 93 is considered an A. Okay. Hmm. 93 to a 100, anything 85 to 92 would be a B. So I get hammered for giving a lot of 91s and 92s. <laughs> But those are very high Bs on my scoring scale. For me, 77 to 84 is a C, 70 to 76 would be a D, and anything 69 and below is an F. And I've given a few Fs over the years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got, uh, we're, our scoring system is out of 60, so that can get quite confusing as well, purely because we do nose, palette, and finish. Uh, for both of us and so out of 10 and then that adds up to 60 but uh, we also did we've done some um, we've done a relegation zone as well where we've got yeah the, the particularly bad ones but we've we don't like doing it very much it's similar to you it's like it's uh, it's a very rare thing isn't it that you find one that deserves an F uh, but yeah it does happen oh this is my dream suppose you know you're saying that you've been in this podcasting game for 15 years and, and obviously whiskey for, for probably slightly longer i suppose one question from 
me and Andy who have not been in the game so long I suppose is what have been your I would say what are your, what are your kind of big revelations especially about whiskey I suppose because I think we all have those revelations as we learn more and more like you suddenly realize that age statement isn't necessarily the you know the be all and end all or you learn that um, you know there are some amazing blends out there or you learn that you know uh, it's not, it doesn't have to be scotch or bourbon to be an amazing whiskey and, and you gradually learn all these lessons what do you think has been the like biggest kind of shock revelation that you've had about whiskey over over your years of learning about it? I think one of the biggest revelations for me is how good younger whiskeys can be when they're made properly. Yeah, yeah. If you look at what, uh, for instance, um, Cavalan in Taiwan did mm. and what the late, great Dr. Jim Swan did with Cavalan and also with Amrut and a lot of these distilleries where the climate doesn't allow for you to mature for 20 years. Yeah. But they're making great whiskeys that taste wonderfully at five and six years old because of the way they're distilled. And the fact that people have been willing to accept that and not just put those whiskeys down for being young is a great thing, in my opinion. Yeah, It's also helped with the number of craft distilleries that have popped up. Uh, a lot of people like to put down so-called craft whiskeys or these small-scale distilleries but a number of them are making very, very good whiskeys. Yeah, absolutely. We had a bit of a revelation with uh, Australian whiskey um, kind of earlier this year with uh, we, we, a friend of ours sent us lots of Blackgate distillery, which you can't actually get in the UK, but he sent us loads of drams of it. And, uh, and we, we thought they were brilliant, didn't we, Andy? And they, they're, they've only been going a few years and they're producing some amazing stuff. Huh. It's just a small farm in Australia. I'm sorry, I didn't catch the name of it. I couldn't hear uh, you. Blackgate Blackgate distillery. Well, I've heard of it, but I've not tasted it. Yeah. Mm. But one thing I've always been impressed with what the Australians are putting out. Yeah. And with the number of Australian whiskeys I've been able to taste. And I've been saying for close to eight, nine years now that when the Aussies get their act together and can produce whiskey in scale. Yeah. Yeah. And actually produce enough to meet the demand because a lot of these distilleries are so small that most of their bottlings are single cask. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But once you have folks like Starward, for instance, getting to the point where they can produce product on a commercial scale, I think that you're going to see Australian whiskey succeed in the same level that Australian wines have in the wine market. Absolutely. They are making good, high-quality whiskey. Yeah. And it's going to be, if they can get it to the point where they can get enough of it on the market to meet the demand and keep the price low, they will make a dent in the market are, are there any other uh markets that you, you you'd like to see kind of scale up and be be get more international recognition any other kind of countries that that you think deserve more notoriety than than they get let me talk about canada for a second with canadian whiskey we have uh, the reputation that the big boys the canadian clubs and crown royals have but when you have distilleries that are small scale like shelter point in british columbia mm that are making some outstanding whiskeys, that are outstanding single malt whiskeys. And uh, a place called uh, Yukon Spirits, uh, two brewers whiskey in Whitehorse, Yukon, way up in the Arctic, near the Arctic Circle, uh, near the border with Alaska. They're making outstanding whiskeys. And once people get a taste of Canadian single malts, that's a category that's going to really get really deserves some respect. I think you're going to see 
a lot of the European small-scale distilleries, uh, Stowning, which makes great rise, uh, MacMira in Sweden, oh, yeah. uh, High Coast, which used to be known as Box Distillery in Sweden. Mm. A lot of these smaller-scale distilleries are going to create their own markets in the uh, in the single malt market. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're we're huge MacMira fans and Starwood fans as well, aren't we? Mm. Um, so we, yeah, we, we. I think that's been another revelation for us, absolutely, that some of these emerging, you know, markets in some countries are producing some incredible stuff. So, so that's fantastic. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, I would imagine a lot of our listeners are um, uh, listen to you. If they listen to us, they're pretty much guaranteed to listen to you. Um, but there, there may be a few out there that that don't. So if um, uh, do you want to just just let them know where they can find you know the podcast, the website, and and the webcast, which obviously maybe the new bit that they're, they're less aware of. Um, where can they find all the stuff if they want to know more about Whiskey Cast? Well, we're available on almost every major podcast app that's out there. Whether you use Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, you can get it on smart speakers too. Uh, the website is Whiskey Cast with a T on the end and no E in whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-Y-C-A-S-T.com. And that'll pretty much tell you where to find all of our content. Uh, we've got links on there to uh, our Facebook page as well, where you can catch the webcasts. Uh, we are able to do the webcasts. The platform we use allows us to stream them at the same time to uh, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and also to Twitter and Periscope at WhiskeyCast. So all you have to do is just search on any of those sites for WhiskeyCast and you will uh, find our feeds. And the website has all of our episodes that goes all the way back to 2005. Um, on Apple Podcasts and most of the directories, you can get the last 100 episodes. But if you go to the uh, website, you can search all the way back to the very beginning. Yeah, fantastic. And I uh, suppose, well, it's a Friday that we're recording this, so you've got a webcast coming up very soon, haven't you? So, uh, so exciting times. What's what's planned for today's episode of the webcast? Well, it's our writer's roundtable today. Ah, um, nice, yeah. So I'll be talking with uh, Gabrielle Farms, who's a uh, bourbon writer based out of Texas, and one of the few women of color who writes about whiskey. Um, one of the few women who writes about whiskey in general, but what makes her even more unique is that she is an African-American woman writing about whiskey and has some very unique perspectives. And I want to talk to her about that. Yep. We'll also be joined by uh, Scott Brunel from the Scotch Test Dummies on YouTube. Oh, yeah. As uh, they are doing an auction this weekend. And I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, but uh, it's on August 2nd on their YouTube channel because a mutual friend of ours, Brett Ferenz, who is known as the Scotch Trooper, on social media. Yes, yeah, yeah. Who is a renowned photographer who has been taking pictures for several years now that are usually pretty hilarious with uh, Star Wars action figures uh, trying to pour full-size bottles of whiskey and things like that and very <laughs> humorous photos. Scott was diagnosed, or Brett, I'm sorry, was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer a couple of months ago and has been fighting that battle and the Scotch Test Dummies are doing a charity auction this Sunday to raise money to help uh, his family. Oh, right. Because uh, a lot of us in this business who work as freelancers or are self-employed don't have great benefits. Yeah. And when you're in that position and you're fighting pancreatic cancer, it can be very expensive. 
and very hard on your family as well. So we're trying to support that auction and trying to raise awareness of the uh, the GoFundMe campaign to help Brett's family out. Great. Well, we'll put a link to that uh, GoFundMe in the in the podcast uh, notes as well because that sounds yeah. Re- I mean, all the best to Brett. I do love his um, his pictures on Instagram and uh, and yeah, yeah, with the, yeah, with the very fantastic. Uh, I like the ones where he's kind of smashing a bottle, like one of the characters is smashing a bottle up or something. Yeah, so I don't, know, I don't even know how he feel, he um, he photoshops that. It looks absolutely great. So, so yeah, so uh, all the best to him. But uh, but yeah, no, that sounds like a really good good episode. And one of the really cool things this week was that uh, he got a shout out from Mark Hamill, oh, the cool. Luke Skywalker. Nice uh, shout out to him on Twitter. That's great. Oh, fantastic. That's absolutely amazing. Cool. Well, um, enjoy your webcast uh, this afternoon then. And uh, and yeah, thank you so much for, for talking to us. Was there anything that you uh, wanted to say before we sign off and say goodbye? Uh, just to, our best wishes to everybody out there who's been fighting the pandemic, uh, the healthcare workers and the first responders and the families of those we've lost. Uh, we're thinking of everyone that's we've lost around the world to this disease and I hope that science finds a cure for it so we can all get back together again someday. But uh, until we do, please uh, please respect the health regulations. Wear your masks in public and stay six feet apart. Let's, uh, let's do what we have to do and put the politics aside to get through this thing so that we can all get back to enjoying each other's company. Very well said. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And uh, we look forward to many, uh, well, another 830 future episodes, maybe, of Whiskey Cast to come. Um, and uh, and yeah, thank, thanks for, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. There we go. Uh, fantastic interview. Really enjoyed speaking to Mark. Great to, for him to join us from New Jersey um and uh you know with the time difference and everything and uh and re- yeah i really appreciate it and it was one of those uh ones where you know as i say you ask the question see if you can get the guest on and you think oh no he's too he's too big for his but uh but there you go he, he, he was really nice of him to come on and, uh, and speak to us so yeah really enjoyable um anyway so uh let's crack on with a, another song so i'll go for my first song and um i'm really pleased to be able to play this one because this is a particular favorite of mine um i think gil scott heron is kind of a bit of a i mean just a legend in so many ways he kind of uh came up through the 70s and 80s and and with this kind of fantastic spoken word uh music which resonated with so many people uh famously the revolution will not be televised was you know uh such a kind of brilliant song that that resonated on more levels than just you know music it was about you know protest and all that kind of stuff and so yeah what what a guy in general but even when he was get cracking on into his older years, he's sadly no longer with us, but when he was cracking on into his older years, in 2010, 16 years after his previous album, he had a bit of a comeback with uh, a, a, an album that was basically, um, r- you know, ridiculously modern. It was kind of not, you know, it, it wasn't just him churning out another album similar to what he had previously released. It was a ridiculously modern album, and that actually comes from the producer, the producer Richard Russell. Uh, he kind of gave him free reign to do what he wanted with the album, and um, and so Gil Gil just kind of recorded the the audio and then left left it with the producer to kind of come up with all these fantastic beats to go around his his brilliant spoken word pieces, um, and so the the album was called I'm New Here, um, 
and the song uh, I'm going to go for is uh, Me and the Devil. I just think this epitomizes the kind of brilliant co uh, contrast of the modern production with his brilliant spoken word style. Um, so l let's listen to Gil Scott Heron with the, the absolutely ridiculously amazing Me and the Devil. Here it is. Uh, there we go. That was uh, Gil Scott Heron with uh, the fantastic Me and the Devil. Uh, but you're, you're a big fan as well, aren't you? Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's such a good song that, and 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 one of the um, one of the kind of uh, crowd of um, very prescient musicians who decided to kick the bucket before 2016, uh, yeah. so they didn't have to put up with the, all the all the nonsense of the last four years. Um, yeah. So it was what, what was it by 2012? 
he died, something like that. Yes, I think so. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, sad, yeah. Sad so, so yeah, I mean, it's it's as as well as being a great comeback. It's it's got to be one of the great kind of late, you you know, very late in a musician's life albums as well. That we're yeah. going to talk about another one or two of those uh, as, <laughs> as well later in the podcast. But um, yeah, just just great, really great stuff. Yeah, and um, and we we were also big fans of the remix album that Jamie XX did um, for him, and also actually it's been remixed again. I, I haven't actually listened to the and the, there's another producer that's done a remix of that album as well. So um, and that's oh, cool. I just spotted that when I was researching for this podcast. So I need to have a listen to that. Um, but anyway, um, let's crack on and think about the Bladnock then. So we are trying a Bladnock whiskey today. Um, I because of the fact that it has reopened now, it's had its comeback. I managed to um, go and do the tour last year, um, and it was it was really interesting. It was kind of, um, I think, you know, because of it being a fairly you know newly opened distillery, the tour was was kind of in its infancy. It was one of the first tours they were doing, and they had fairly new staff, uh, and they did an absolutely brilliant job. Um, but yeah, I kind of I, it was it was more kind of interesting, but I felt a bit more that they were you know, uh, reading from a script, they've been hired, they were reading from a script rather than, you know, occasionally I've been to a distillery where the guy's there going, I've worked here for 25 years and, you know, things like that. It wasn't quite like that, but it was really, really interesting, polished uh, tour. So I, I encourage anyone, if you're in the area, because there aren't many whis- whis- uh, distilleries in the Lowlands area these days anyway, um, no, it's, no. it's well worth a visit um, to, to go around. And it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a pretty little area as well to, um, surrounding it. So it's, uh, it's really nice. But, yeah, um, yeah. No, you can uh, you can go to the distillery and then nip around the corner to Wigtown and buy a load of books in one of their uh, yeah. one of their many secondhand bookshops as well. So there's it's, it's a nice little part of Scotland to visit overall, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and good campsites down the road as well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we got uh, we got a science bit for the blood knock today, Andy. We certainly do, and Fantastic. it's uh, it's it's a good one. <laughs> I tell you, this is—it's uh, definitely I'm, been pre-recorded. Oh yeah, I've done it. Don't worry, <laughs> don't worry, don't so worry I... about that. I mean, I'll not tell you what's in it now because, oh, right, yeah, of course, of you course. know that would that would spoil it. But uh, what, what, one of these days, we're going to play the jingle, and it's just going to come back to the studio, and it's just going to be me going, "Look, what I'm a busy man. What do you want from me?" <laughs> I can't do a science bit every week. Come on, uh, <laughs> go on then. Introduce it. It's everyone. Everyone loves the geeky bit. So go on, introduce the science bit. Here we go with the Bladnock science bit. Bladnock, the most southerly distillery in Scotland, is one of six remaining lowland distilleries located near Wigtown in Dumfries and Galloway. The distillery was founded in 1817 by the McClellan brothers, and by 1887 the son and nephew of the original owners had expanded output from 7,000 gallons at its creation to over 50,000 gallons. 
Although the distillery suffered the combined misfortunes of barley reduction, excise duty and temperance in the 1890s, Bladnock survived. It was managed by W.M. Dunville & Co. during the interwar period, ceased production during World War II and had several owners until the 1980s after that. First Bells and then United Distillers led Bladnock through a period of modernisation into the late 1980s. Bladnock was then managed from 1994 to 2014 by the Armstrong brothers before being purchased by the current owner, David Pryor, in 2015. David Pryor owned a successful yoghurt business before entering the whisky industry and is the first Australian to own a Scotch whisky distillery. Bladnock's core range consists of the no-age statement Samsara, 15-year-old Adela and the 26-year-old Talia. Since master distiller Nick Savage joined Bladnock in 2019, the distillery has also released a number of single cask and new age statement whiskies. Bladnock Adela 15-year-old is matured in ex-Olorosa sherry casks and is bottled at 46.7% ABV. Good stuff. Okay, yeah, there we go. Fantastic science bit. Thank you very much, Andy. Oh, well, I say that. I haven't heard it. I'm sure it's brilliant. Uh, (laughs) For the listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, And yeah, so let's, before we dive into the tasting, let's have another uh, song um, along this comeback theme. So, Andy, you go for your second song to put on the podcast today. What are you going for? Well, at this point, it's tricky because I have been censored. I have been uh, (laughs) prevented from playing my, my, my my true choice in this in this matter but so we'll come to that later when we do the playlist um so uh, i I, I, I just it was a it was just a strong suggestion it was (laughs) there was no coercion you vetoed the king it's unacceptable um yeah one of the one of the albums that came out earlier this year round about the time when all this uh pandemic stuff was becoming our daily reality and we were being told to you know avoid this avoid that and eventually stay at home was a album uh, a new album by fiona apple uh and i think it's first album in about seven or eight years at least i mean i i'd heard some stuff you, you know back in the the early 2000s that she did and and quite liked it but it, she was never really an artist i'd i'd paid much attention to um but I thought this this album that she came out with earlier this year, which is called Fetch the Bolt Colors, is is just really inventive and has a really interesting sound to it. Lots of nice mixed instrumentation where she's kind of used maybe a bit of a uh, like a bit of a jazz rhythm section with um, electronic instruments and lots of layered vocals and things like that. So it's it's got a really interesting sound. So she recorded all in her house as well. Um, so you get all of her like just whacking walls and there's the dogs barking in the background I think that's on the song you're going to play isn't it the dogs and things uh, yeah. absolutely there's a cat and a dog I think uh, yeah. at, at least uh, in, and they in get credited track, so yeah <laughs> they, they do they're, they're, they're in the they're in the sleeve notes but uh, yeah it's, it's it's got a kind of unrestrained raw sound but but well produced at the same time it doesn't sound like demo tapes or anything like that so yeah it was just i I'd, i was talking to somebody and they said have you heard the new fiona apple album i was like no why would i um and then <laughs> in a, in a typical ha- that's a typical andy response for our listeners by yeah the way. yeah um <laughs> but the album is, is 
really stand out. So and, imaginative, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think the the title track, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which is the one we're gonna listen to now, is is a very good anthem for the for the lockdown age because there was a point where we'd all been stuck in for a few weeks and maybe we're starting to feel the strain and I, I was putting this song on quite regularly with the with the lyric uh, fetch fetch the bolt cutters we've been in here too long yeah. um which uh, which did feel uh like a like a song for the times uh back in late march or when it, whenever it was so uh, i think i think yeah. she re- i think she released it a bit earlier than planned because of the lockdown so yeah because she knew it would resonate so well because it was all recorded in her house and things so yeah well let's have a listen anyway and uh yeah the brilliant fetch the bolt cutters by Fiona Rapp. I've been thinking about when I was trying to be your friend I thought it was then, but it wasn't It wasn't genuine I was just so furious, but I couldn't show you Cause I know you, and I know what you can do And I don't want to war with you, I won't afford it You get sore even when you win and you maim when you're on offense, but you kill when you're on defense. And you've got them all convinced that you're the means and the end. All the VIPs and PYTs and wannabes, afraid of not being your friend. And I've always been too smart for that, but you know what? My heart was not. I took it like a kid, you see. The cool kids voted to get rid of me. I'm ashamed of what it did to me, what I let get done. It stole my fun. It stole my fun. That's the bolt cutters. I've been in here too long Fetch the bolt cutters I've been in here too long Fetch the bolt cutters I've been in here too long Fetch the bolt cutters Whatever happens, whatever happens, that's the bolt cutters. 
too long Vegetable cutters Great stuff, yeah. Um, what I love about that song as well is I love the rhythmic, like it's almost kind of like the slight spoken word rhythmic elements in the vocals as well. Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really, really great stuff. Um, fantastic. Right, well, without further ado, let's dive in on the Bladnock 15 year Adele. Um, so this is Oloroso Cask. It is um, Bladnock, which is a lowland, um, lowland whiskey. Uh, it is 46.7%. It is is starting to sell out i believe but is still available i think at the distillery and, and some other places and you're talking in the region of 80 pounds which is quite pricey but remembering that this was the kind of whiskey that they were releasing to kind of get the funds going whilst they started to produce new uh new whiskey they you know they dug it out the warehouses so this was their their kind of restarting um uh whiskey um so let's dive in on the nose and see what we get <clears throat> And the, and this one won a couple of awards when it came out as well in 2017. So the uh, double gold at the San Francisco Spirits mm. Awards and silver at the Scotch Whiskey Masters. So it's it's obviously impressed a few people uh, from its uh, from its early days. But uh, yeah, let's let's see what we get on the nose. Yeah, so it's unmistakably a sherry cask. Oloroso um, on the nose gets so rich and. Uh, dark fruities immediately isn't it so that 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 stands out but actually there's something there's something more interesting in there as well there's um it's almost like a really sweet dessert wine no absolutely i I can see that but but there's also i'm I'm kind of getting burnt orange and oak combo that you get on a lot of bourbons with this one on the nose um yeah the orange almost orange peel for me like there's definitely that in there isn't there and there's a woodiness to it as well which I think is the you know the char there's a chard, I think that's the burnt note you're kind of mentioning there as well. It's quite kind of fiery on the nose, like it it feels it has the sense of a quite unrestrained whiskey, despite the fact it's got a reasonably good age statement. It's quite sort of, I mean, rough and ready sounds like a doesn't sound like a compliment, but I I I mean it as one. Well I think it 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 has a has an edge to it, which I quite like. Yeah. And I'm getting a tiny bit just in the background of a of like a spearmint as well. Someone hit the mint clacks in there. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has to drink. Sorry, menthol. It, it's it's definitely yeah. I mean, there's 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 a few herbal elements in there, kind of like lavender and uh, yeah, even even something quite savoury like a kind of oregano. Um, no, there on the nose. There's lots going on. I really like it. Cool, right, well let's dive in on the, the, the palette and see what we, we get there. That's interesting. It's it's quite different to the nose actually. It's not really different. Not not what I was expecting from the, the nose at all, but lovely kind of um oh there there it is. So 
in the second half of the it takes a minute for those sherry elements of kind of dark fruits and chocolate to to come in but that's yeah. not there that wasn't there obviously that was the first sip but that wasn't kind of there with the um the top end of the palate yeah there's almost i get the sweetness immediately mm. but it's not a sherried sweetness as much um almost like the weird thing is like with sherried whiskey i often get the drying element come through on the finish mm. it seemed to it seemed to be very dry and bitter immediately when it went in my mouth and then no euphemisms please uh, that's what she said <laughs> i thought you were gonna say that's what Stu said that's usually what you go for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then as soon as the as soon as the yeah you're right as soon as it kind of that subsided all of those sherried notes came through and it's really nice really kind of like sweet nice rich warming really lovely um so yeah it's an odd first taste but again at the same as you maybe it was just the first sip of the day mm. i i think the palate goes on a bit of a it really goes on a bit of a, a journey this one so you, you I, love I kind a of, palate with a journey I, I certainly do um it's got a kind of mild sweetness that's not dissimilar to a lot of triple distilled irish whiskies at the up front yeah, you know, just when you just when you first taste it, that initial then, sweetness. Yeah, then you get this kind of spiciness coming through, and a, a little bit of the 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 spirit edge, that edginess I was talking about. Yeah, and then at the at the back end of the palate, you get the you get those um, dark fruits and, and and sherry notes you you would expect to get, which kind of lead off into the finish, but then that spiciness and um pepperiness comes comes back in it again yeah there's there's a lot to that it's very uh very interesting yeah it's definitely um definitely complex and it's almost one of those ones where there's so much going on that's you know it's fascinating and i don't quite like every step in the process but it's fascinating that it's doing that it's fascinating that it's going through all of those those steps um and then on the finish that's i think the is the, it leaves the really nice notes for me. I think it leaves all of the stuff I really like, the really sweet, uh, sherried, lovely, fruity notes that then just just come through at the end. So, and as you know, we love a tenuous music analogy. Um, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I've got several. <laughs> I guess. I guess the one, the the thing that kind of stands out is each element is really soloing itself, isn't it? Like, mm. so so it's much more like a. A kind of bebop jazz band where each player is getting a chorus to solo and show what they can do yeah. as opposed to being a, a more of a, a a kind of um orchestrated ensemble effort it's it's kind of like somewhere between um uh irish whiskeys loading whiskeys but with a with a kind of sherry 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 space side kind of yeah, foundations of it, I guess. The yeah, the the it it would be it doesn't seem right to call it a, a sherry finish whiskey because the sherry's kind of the foundation of it, and then yeah. everything else is built on built on top of that. But yeah, I, well, I, I like it. I like it. Um, it. It's sherry matured rather than sherry finished. So I, oh, yeah. is it right? Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's been yeah. sitting in those sherry casks. I, I would guess for like fifteen years, you know, in the warehouse. Um, I think it's really nice. I think I'm a sherry whiskey fan. So, and it's got all of those notes, it hits all of those notes that Sherry Whiskey fans will love. What's interesting is that now that it's, the more it's opening up and the more, the more I, t- I, I, I sip at it, um, 
all those elements which originally we felt were quite disparate and doing their own thing it it's settling into itself and i'm getting more of an overall sense where everything's working together now this is my dream this is this is my dream this is my dream this is this is my dream 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 fantastic yeah well pretty positive pretty positive stuff then for Bladnock. Uh, we will Drammy League tab- table that in a second. Uh, so let's have my second song for the uh, podcast. So I'm going to go for Portishead, you know, famously released a brilliant couple of albums right at the kind of mid-90s and then disappeared off the face of the earth and then came back with a fantastic album in 2008 called Third, which was their th- third album hence the name uh, so 11 years since their previous album and uh, effectively you know it just had all of those elements of Porter's Head that we remembered from the mid 90s the vocals from Beth Gibbons the uh, really kind of um, kind of eerie kind of tracks that they created around them uh, but there was also an, a, a feeling that they weren't just reproducing the albums they'd done in the 90s. They added some extra elements that just were a bit more in your face and a bit more interesting that, that kind of elevated it. And the song I'm going for is um, Machine Gun, which I think sounds like it should be, you know, it's kind of like a cross between a Portis Head song and the Terminator soundtrack. Because um, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got those really like, um, you know, stabby drums, you know, you know, it sounds like it's a you know should be soundtracking terminator 5 or whatever um but then right towards the end of the song they come in with this kind of killer 80s synth solo that comes in that reminds me of that terminator 2 soundtrack sound that on the synth as well so it sounds like it should be in the terminator I just it's just a brilliant song um so for production reasons and the the vocals are just haunting as well i love this song so machine gun by portishead enjoy
Okay, there we go. Machine Gun by Portishead. That's a great choice. I, I'd never kind of thought of that that track as working with a Terminator film, but it's <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah, get yeah, on yeah. to get on to Jim Cameron or whoever the fuck is making Terminator <laughs> films these days. It's almost like it's almost like with the drums. You think yeah, I was thinking it, and then as soon as the the synth comes in, you're like, oh yeah, come on, like this is just Terminator all over. Uh, so yeah, I love it. Um, great stuff. Okay, well let's drum your league table the uh, blood knock and see what we get them. Okay, so uh, drum league table for the blood knock. Let's start with the nose. I'll go first this time. Um, I think this is a really interesting nose. I think there's loads going on, and it hits all the notes I want from a sherry whiskey with a few different things that you don't expect from a sherry whiskey. So I'm going to go nine. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll give it um, eight out of ten. I think there's, uh, I think there's some some really interesting elements and. Uh, yeah, it, it it definitely has something a bit a bit different to a standard sherry whiskey. So yeah, I think eight eight for the nose. And on the palette, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna slide down to a. I'm gonna go down to a, a seven. I think. I think this is not the strongest part of the dram for me. Uh, that initial, uh, that initial feel puts me off a little bit. Uh, it then gently comes round to you know the later parts of the palette are more to my taste but it just it, again i think the nose sets it up <coughs> for a, a for being a this incredible flavor and then the it doesn't quite hit that for me but it's still still an excellent tasty whiskey so seven yeah i think i think it's a bit of a twist in the narrative when you get to the palette it's not what you're expecting at all um but i think uh i think it's it's got some uh impressive elements and um you know there's a lot of quality in there and i'm beginning to think as it opens up and as i settle into it that it, it's more of a harmonious um palette than i'd than i'd originally thought um not that i minded the complexity of it going from one stage to the next but i suppose the wow factor comes from when it all just plays together well yeah. so yeah I'll, I'll join you on a seven there and for the finish, I'm going to slide up to an eight. I think it, uh, all of the nice sherry notes are left and uh, and it's really nice and lingering. So yeah, uh, a strong eight on the finish. It, it is a nice finish, isn't it? It's, it's got that real just classic elements of sherry finish that, that you like to see. You'd be almost disappointed if you had a sherry whiskey and it didn't have those uh, those kind of dryness and the spiciness and the sweetness all kind of lingering for a long... And I, it's a good length as well it really does linger yeah. um pleasantly <laughs> um uh, Un- unlike this, so. unlike uh this is my drum podcast yeah yeah we, we, we linger on pleasantly in your <laughs> uh, in your uh in your itunes feeds uh every well i was gonna say every week as if we're that every, uh, organized everyone wishes um, <clears throat> everyone wishes for a shorter finish on the this is my drum podcast don't they? So, yeah um, or a quicker <laughs> finish just just a finish just any kind of finish yeah. just just a just a full stop um yeah i'll give it seven out of ten on the finish i think it's it's seven. uh it's 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 great really good 
Uh, yeah, so, well, talking of uh, getting onto a short finish, let's uh, <laughs> let's crack on uh, and finish with our songs for the playlist then. So for those of you that don't know, um, we always, you know, play two songs each-ish on the podcast and then, but we, we always have other ideas we want to, you know, play people. So we create a playlist of songs relating to the theme, uh, this time the, the comeback theme that we're going for, <coughs> that we put on Spotify and you can uh, peruse at your leisure. Uh, but we just like to give you a, a bit of a reasoning as to why we've put each track on there uh, and play you a little snippet to uh, tease you to go and have a listen to the, the full playlist. Um, so what other songs are we putting on today? Uh, Andy, it's your turn to go first. What are the other three songs you're going for? Uh, yeah, so uh, first up, uh, Daft Punk, when the uh, Random Access uh, Memories album came out, um, they'd probably not put out anything other than uh, a couple of film soundtracks for the, the Tron movies and a few other bits and pieces for the probably the guts of a, a decade at that point. I don't know the exact period of time, but it had been yeah. a while since their, their first couple of albums that had... Uh, um, really broken through certainly Um, since their last studio album yeah as you say absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. since they're yeah um and uh i i I really liked the album it had a couple of big kind of singles that that came off it uh notably the ubiquitous get lucky that was everywhere for (laughs) sound of the summer check it out sound of the summer it was (laughs) it certainly was you couldn't escape it for the entire summer Um, there's 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 a comedian on twitter who posted about five months after it was released check out draft punk's new song uh get lucky sound of the summer as a joke as in like everyone knows it and uh and he now posts it's limmy i don't know if you know limmy uh he's now posted it um like every he posts it kind of every few months as a reminder of that joke and i think yeah that's the way to do it yeah i actually uh after leaving a job that i particularly disliked um as i was driving away from the office um circling around past the fire exit where all my ex-colleagues were, were sitting, um, put on uh, Get Lucky as my uh, Leaving the Job soundtrack. Um, so so I have fond memories of that song. Uh, but the one but I'm that's not the one on, you're picking, is it? No, the one I'm going to pick, just purely because it's got space shit on it and we love space, yeah. is uh, Contact, which which opens with the uh, the, the astronauts talking about the, um, the, the object. I think it was an Apollo uh, 14, maybe where they saw an object off in the distance and were trying to describe it to, to mission control. There's all sorts of conspiracy theories that have abounded for years about whether it was a Russian satellite or whether it was a aliens or any whatever. But So it starts with that and then goes into this great kind of uh, high energy... Uh, oh, the, the synths drum. are amazing, aren't they? Yeah, the synths and the drumbeat. And it, it's it's got some, some really fantastic uh, production. Obviously, had to have some David Bowie, who had what well, he had about uh, about nine or ten different comebacks, didn't many he? Many comebacks, um, many reinventions. Yeah, no, he had he had a lot of them, but I suppose the one that the one that he'll be remembered for was the um, when he came back with his the next day album, which wasn't his was his second last. Yeah, I think right so. Yeah. yeah, his his second last album. So he wasn't um, Black Black Star was the last. Wasn't it? Yeah, Black Star was the last. And with the next day, I think, I think he he will have known he was ill and and 
not long for this world at that point. So he was, people were kind of saying, oh, this is a strange album. It's kind of like he's written his own, his own eulogy or something. Um, uh, and obviously it uses the cover of Hunky Dory with a white square over the front of his face, which is yeah. a interesting album cover. Um, but the the most kind of nostalgic track on the on the album is Where Are We Now, which where he talks about the Berlin years and and uh, brings back his lead guitarist from those days to play a solo in the outro and stuff like that. So so that's a really cool song. We'll we'll have that. Where are we now? Where are we now? And finally, the song that I was vetoed uh, from <laughs> including on the podcast, um, the the Elvis 68 comeback special was the ultimate comeback. He'd been nowhere. For, he'd, he'd been doing all these awful movies. that been getting fat, um, He'd been getting fat and eating lots of burgers, but he'd... His manager Colonel Tom had Parker had been making him do all these awful schmaltzy movies throughout the sixties, so he completely missed the 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 sixties revolution while he was doing crap movies. Uh, came back in sixty eight with a comeback special where originally it was going to be just a a kind of um, uh, him and his guitar or maybe some strings kind of as he'd been in the fifties. Um, but the producer of the TV show said, "No, let's get a rhythm and blues band in, lots of session musicians, and we'll we'll try and create a different sound for this." And uh, it was huge. It, it you you know it totally relaunched his career, and he was able to go and do all those big fat Vegas um, gigs after that in the white suit and everything. Um, so the song I'll put on the playlist is "If I Can Dream," which is good and it should be on the podcast, but I was vetoed. <laughs> Where hope keeps shining. You were not vetoed. It was a it was a casual <laughs> suggestion. It was casual more. That I, I was just thinking that like I was just kind of like oh, everyone knows Elvis. Like yeah, I just, and, and also more, yeah. I, I guess it would not have. Uh, I, I think I think sometimes we have to be slightly sensitive to how the how the songs that we play in full on the podcast yeah, work work together. work across the episode, and it would have been something very out of uh, <laughs> out of step with the rest of them. So it's on there. Everyone knows where to go and listen to it. Sixty eight comeback special, I, you know, and we'll do that ourselves. And you know, we'll do the two thousand and thirty eight comeback special for this is my dram, and we'll be we'll both be. Yeah, well, I was going to say. Burgers. I was going to say we'll both be fat. We'll be fatter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got your own duck fat, apparently. So that's, you know, that's the thing. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Goose, goose fat. Oh, goose fat. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I'll go for, I'm going to go for three uh, very much electronica uh, tracks. Um, Boards of Canada were kind of one of the classic uh, instrumental late 90s, early noughties bands that uh, that nailed the instrumental format, instrumental electronica format. Uh, kind of a cross between almost chill out, but not but not quite chill out. Like it, it, enough going on f- to not be able to chill out through it, but you know almost in a very ambient way. Um, so yeah, they, they released a couple of fantastic albums and then disappeared for about seven or eight years, and then came back with um, an album called Tomorrow's Harvest in 2013. And one of the songs on there 
is called Reach for the Dead and I just love how this song builds and the all the kind of little um, crackly bits of electronica going on it are really, really fantastic. I'm also going to go for uh, well, Aphex Twin. If you if you know the podcast, you know I love a- Aphex Twin, and uh, he disappeared for I think it was thirteen. Let me just work it out. Yeah, uh, it was thirteen years. He he had, had a gap of thirteen years. It was between, a long time, yeah. Yeah, to, uh, before he released two, 2014's Syro. Um So he had been very prolific in the nineties. Released a lot of really kind of forward thinking and and. Uh, just ridiculous albums that had so much stuffed into them they were they were incredible uh so he'd become a bit of a legend he then ran away and kind of hid for years and released lots of stuff under pseudonyms that no one knew was him and then he came back and released syro and um the song mini pop 67 on there was uh was probably the most uh you know accessible instantly accessible you could say track on it um the rest of it is also great but uh but yeah so so i'll go for the mini pop 67 Finally, I'll go for Leftfield. Uh, Leftfield released a couple of kind of, again, I wouldn't say chill out, but kind of uh, almost kind of like laid back electronica albums. Leftism was one of my favourite albums of the the 90s. Uh, And then they had a gap between 1999 and 2015, so 16-year gap before they released Alternative Light Source, which was a very much in-your-face pounding, um, almost bordering on house music at times uh mm. you know uh album and there's an absolutely pounding in your face track on it called universal everything which just if you need to if you need to get go if you're going on a run or something and you really need a motivational track that just keeps you going put this one on and it will absolutely uh yeah just get you motivated it's absolutely brilliant it's just relentless is the, the way to describe this song There we go. Those are our Great tracks stuff. for the playlist. Great choices. Yeah, and uh, I, I enjoyed that theme actually. That was yeah. Uh, first I time feel in like ages is we've come up with a theme that actually felt doable and not very tenuous. Yeah, doable, not very tenuous, but but also one that we have to uh, re- recycle under a, a very similar guise at a later date because there's so many that I could have used that yeah, I wanted yeah. to use. Sonny Rollins disappearing under a bridge for. 10 years coming back and like breaking jazz um which which would have been would have been interesting to put on there but it's definitely a, a good a good theme it's got um, legs uh, to use to use a whiskey term it's got legs it's, it's got, got legs. legs and we could also do worst comebacks at some point um which would be <laughs> uh, which would also be fun and handily a lot of distilleries have uh, been mothballed and eventually come back so there's there's always a chance isn't there so
so yeah so I think that's ev- everything for today um, so yeah it's been a fun episode great talking to Mark and really enjoyed the music theme and enjoyed the whiskey as well the, the Bladnock is as I say close to my heart sentimental reasons I, I do love Bladnock so, uh, so I've enjoyed enjoyed today's episode um, the next episode um, will probably be uh, a Scotch Malt Whiskey Society special. Um, we are new, newly signed up members, aren't we, Andy? Um, we are, and we are we, indeed. And we'll um, have a chat with Madeline from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, who uh, can tell us all about it, and we'll taste one of the whiskies. And the great <coughs> thing about those whiskies is they have really fun names to all their bottlings, so it'll be great to come up with a music theme around that so you can look forward to that um, and we've got anything else to say before we say no I was just going to say that uh, Scotch Malt Whiskey Society episode better be soon because because I'm going to drink all the samples if we don't hurry up and do it um, <laughs> yeah we've got the tasting set haven't we we need to, uh, we need to taste it soon yeah don't worry it'll be, it will be soon it will be soon like and subscribe to the podcast go to thismydram.com for all our blog playlists and podcasts <laughs> I've got to say it. I've got to say it. You know, it's 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 how podcasts go. This is you know we've learned from the best of Mark Gillespie. You've got to say this stuff. You've got to say it. Does, does it make it harder for you to plug the podcast while I'm on Zoom mouthing the words? Don't fucking bother it. Shit. Um, <laughs> does that help? It's uh, it's a constant kind of challenge I put up with. This is what I got to work with, guys. This is what I got to work with. Um, but yeah, so good stuff. Well, um, thanks very much for listening. Uh, and if you've made it to the end. We love you guys the most. Thank you so much for listening all the way through to the end. And uh, we will see you on the next episode. Congratulations for making it to the very end for which you win a special prize. All you have to do is uh, write into the uh, podcast with the code. (laughs) And am I just going to end it there? Is that it? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we always try these elaborate ruse endings. <laughs> <laughs> uh.